Welcome to Ask the Tech Coach, brought to you by the TeacherCast Educational Network. If you are in charge of professional development and looking to build an innovative digital learning experience, this is the podcast for you. Join us each week as we uncover strategies that tech coaches are using to drive their digital transformations one classroom at a time. And now for your host, with over two decades of experience working with tech coaches and edtech companies from all around the world, Jeff Bradbury. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the TeacherCast Educational Network. My name is Jeff Bradbury. Thank you so much for joining us today and making TeacherCast your home for professional development. This is Ask the Tech Coach podcast, episode number 105. Today, we're going to be talking about how video can meet project-based learning. I know, I know, I was skeptical when I saw it, but there is an amazing application that is brand new out there. I'm excited to have the founder and the CEO of that application on with me for an amazing conversation. But before we get into that, I wanna bring on my co-host, Susan Vincent. Susan, how are you today? I am great. Two days of school under our belt. I'm so excited, um, you know, it's gone smoothly and we're hanging in there. How about you, Jeff? Things absolutely are great. So many different things have been happening ever since we had our Tech Coach Live. I just want to start up at the top to say one more time, thank you to all the Tech Coaches yes. and everybody who out was there. I had so many people at our Tech Coach Roundtable this past week say so many things about how wonderful the sessions were. I am excited that all of our sessions are now broken down. You can go on over to our, our, our YouTube channel over at teachercast.net slash YouTube. We've got an entire playlist of 14 episodes going from what is a future ready coach to the Google certified tech coaching program. So much stuff is out there. So it was a great time. Oh my goodness. It was an awesome day. I was so uh, grateful for the opportunity to get to be a part of it. And since then, you have started with students. Tell us a little bit yes. about them. How is that going? Tech coaching, multiple rooms, all that great stuff, and mm -hmm. kids. Yes, we've trained our new teachers and did all of the beginning of the year things. And we have started face-to-face -face and have two days under our belts of um, attending school, taking temperatures in carpool line, and social distancing, and masking, and you know all of those uh, safety precautions. And so far, so good. We're excited, and great attitudes of teachers. The kids are excited to be there. Parents were very great, gracious in dropping off their kids and waiting. It, it's been a great two days. You mentioned temperatures. I, I got to ask, what is the temperature of your building these days? And I'm asking only because, you know, everybody's still nervous. Even yes. though you've had kids for a few days, I'm sure that everybody still wakes up wondering, is this the day? Will something happen? What is the temperature with the faculty and staff? You know, as in, you mean climate-wise, culture? How, it, how are it, they it, feeling about going into school and, they, and interacting with kids and six feet, all that stuff? For the most part, they're just glad to be with kids again and being able to talk to them face to face and eye to eye. You know, it's just it's been a, a it's been very upbeat, better than we could have ever expected. Have you seen or heard of any scares in your area? I, I just saw a, a report saying that uh, as colleges are going back, 16 colleges so far have reported issues with uh, breakouts, I guess this might yeah. be the right word for this. In our general area here where we are in the Louisville area, we're, we're plugging along and doing fine. So nothing to be scared of. 
Hey, you've got some great stuff going on at your school, I hear. Tell me about this parent university. Oh, my goodness. I am so excited about this. A few weeks ago, one of our principals, good friend of mine, came to me and said, I have this idea. I want to do something for our parents. What do you think? And I said, I love this idea. Let's run with it. Next thing I know, a a school-based idea went to a district-level idea, went to a community-based idea. And after two, just two weeks of planning, creating, Google siting, all that stuff, we officially launched our parent university this week to amazing roaring success. And I know that because I just joined our Facebook group for parents and there's so many good things about it. But essentially, we're gonna talk about this over the next couple of weeks as this thing gets built out, but we are creating an environment where parents can learn from other parents, parents can learn from staff members and our tech coaches, Sue. It's being designed so our tech coaches can shine not only in their buildings, but across the entire district. So we've run sessions on writing. We've run sessions on Flipgrid. We've run sessions on Google Classroom from a parent's point of view. And I love the fact that the goal for this is not to make it a tech course for parents, but we're really bringing this into a larger atmosphere where eventually you're going to see sessions on how do you create IEPs? How do you get your students into kindergarten? What does high school look like? Uh-huh. Uh, how do you get uh, you know college tuition paid for? It's going to be a multi, multi-level uh, you know, onion, as they would say. <laughs> And we're really just getting started. I, 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 I'm so excited because I happen to be the guy that's kind of molding this and building all the websites and making people go crazy with my wacky ideas. But I, I absolutely love it. And uh, you it can couldn't check it out be a better time than no, to be making those connections. And you know what? The whole thing here is it's all about connecting people with faces connecting people with names and making sure that we know that when we're looking for things, we have a place to go to help and, and to get help. And that's really what we're here about today is to figure out what power can video have in our classrooms. A couple of years ago, when I was first getting started with TeacherCast, I met an amazing entrepreneur from a company called UClass, did a great TeacherCast show. I even found the audio today and started listening to it. And I want to bring him on today. He doesn't represent UClass. I want to have him tell you a little bit about his background story, but he has an amazing new opportunity to bring project-based learning and digital video, short digital video, into your classrooms. I want to bring on my good friend, Zach Ringelstein. Zach, how are you today? Welcome to Ask the Tech Coach. Welcome, Zach. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Susan. It's wonderful to be here. Zach, it is so great to have you. And we reconnected a little earlier. We first met when you were doing an app called UClass. Tell us a little bit about your background. How did we get here? And you know, I, I want to give you a couple seconds to talk about something interesting that you've done that I don't honestly know anybody that's ever done on a global congressional scale. Tell us a little bit about who Zach is. Yeah, sure. And I'm curious what that thing that I've done is. But I think one of the things that I've done is I actually was a teacher before I be, before I founded an educational app. And I think that That's one of the reasons why I'm back in the game doing this again is realizing that some of the pedagogical approaches that uh, we know based on research and I know based on my classroom experience works with kids can be implemented well with technology will never be good as in person learning, but I'm excited to do that. My background is that I was a teacher uh, for five years, taught third, fourth, fifth grade. 
I then went on and started U-Class. Uh, U-Class was a way to crowdsource curriculum around the world. Uh, we ended up selling that to Renaissance Learning, who does AR360 and uh, the STAR assessment. And I worked as an operator for them, helping to integrate our product into theirs and build a teaching product uh, with them. And then I am now getting my PhD up at Teachers College. I've done a lot of work in, in politics ever since. I uh, ran for US Senate. Uh, and was the Democratic nominee in 2018. And now I'm back at it with Zigazoo, uh, working on project-based learning, which has always been my passion, recognizing that at the end of the day, instruction and learning does not have to be boring, dry, rote. We don't need to just be regurgitating facts all day long and standardized testing the heck out of kids. We could actually be doing joyful projects and we can be solving real world problems with purpose and meaning. Wow, absolutely. You know, so when we think of project-based learning, the first question I have is how do you do it, right? I know in my right, situation, yeah. I'm going back into a middle school. I have one classroom that I walk in. It's not even my classroom. I don't even have belongings in the building anymore at this point. I'm just going room to room, but I have physical students and hybrid students. Sure. I got four or five classes a day. Everything is different and I have an yes. hour. How are we doing this, Zach? How, how are teachers these days able to look at this project-based learning thing and make sense of it so that way they're being entertaining and educating for both physical and virtual? Yeah, sure. So I think we all, first of all, need to pat ourselves on the back and realize that we're all doing the best we can right now. And it's not all gonna happen overnight. I know that that as, as, a, as a high achiever myself and as someone who worked so hard to be a good teacher day in, day out, sometimes would pull all-nighters to, to get my planning done. That's first and foremost. But to actually answer your question, um, the, the other part of this is that I think we can help each other out. Uh, that's one of the things that we're doing is we're providing opportunities uh, to basically steal our projects so you can steal our projects and other teachers' projects and great ideas. Um, and I think it's important to kind of set the framework, set the groundwork of what project-based learning is. So basically, when I, as an adult, think to myself, how am I going to teach my students? How am I going to manage my classroom? Um, how am I going to build a company? There's a whole set of unknown problems ahead of me, and I need to go about figuring out how to solve them. And I find a lot of purpose and meaning in solving those problems. And that's how most of the world works, and that's how most of uh, the adult world should look um, for most people. And kids, just like adults, find meaning and purpose in doing things that are real as opposed to sitting and reading a paragraph and then answering a bunch of multiple choice questions. And so I got really hooked on this idea because, oh, wow, what if kids, instead of like us spending like an hour block on math, running through a scripted curriculum, and then an hour block on English, running through a scripted curriculum, what if instead we were working on projects that were actually honing in and and working on some of these same skills, but we're doing it through real world problems. It turns out there's some really great research that says that when you do this sort of thing, which is hard to implement, uh, but but actually easier to implement, believe it or not, in the COVID world, um, it, it actually ends up increasing retention and long-term kids do better on standardized testing uh, in high school when they're doing project-based learning as opposed to the standardized kind of testing-based learning. So that's the background of it. How do you do it? Well, 
Um, Zigazoo, our app is making it easier because what we're doing is we're basically saying there are three pillars of project-based learning. The first is a driving question. The second is a public project. And the third is an authentic audience. So what does that look like? That can look as simple um, as saying to a, a family, hey, uh, can you make a volcano using home ingredients? That is an example of a project. Um, and, and what's cool about Zigazoo is that kids are going ahead, doing that experiment, learning chemistry through that project, and then sharing short videos of it to a public audience, which is their classmates, as well as uh, depending on the type of account you have, other classmates across uh, the country and world, and therefore getting a lot of meaning out of the project as opposed to um, just doing these things in isolation. So let's take a look at this here, because, Sue, when we're looking at video here, we need to make sure that the students in the, in the classrooms are equipped to do all that stuff, right? Oh, yes, yeah. definitely. We've been talking a lot about video lately, and this just, um, you know, further illustrates our point of how important that is in the season of this pandemic and, you know, bringing it forth, um, you know, as we do this and move forward and this project-based idea with Zigazoo is a perfect fit, I feel. Yeah, video is really powerful. So I've been having this debate with a lot of different educators and technologists in the field. And the debate is between synchronous and asynchronous learning. And uh, Susan, uh, it sounds like you're in a, a great spot right now to be able to do synchronous learning because you're in an in-person environment. Are you also doing hybrid, by the way? We are doing hybrid along with our in-person. Our high schools have um, um, live stream students along with their face-to-face uh, -face students and they're part of the class. Right, exactly. So you've got all these different kinds of learning happening and the, the reality of technology, and I've always said this as a, as a teacher entrepreneur, is that you're never going to replace in-person instruction. You're never gonna replace these relationships. It's important to, uh, to shake hands, to, like you said, look people in the eyes, to be with people in real, in real time. But when you can't do that because of the pandemic or because of different restrictions that a lot of schools are under right now, what you can do is you can basically set the groundwork for those meaningful experiences and then check in with kids. Kids don't, just like me, I don't wanna sit in front of a Zoom for two hours. I don't even wanna sit in front of a Zoom for a half an hour. And I'm an adult who like, you know, can, can sometimes focus, just ask my wife. Um, but but the, the reality is that kids, I know my four-year-old, he, he can't sit in front of a Zoom for, you know, longer than 15 minutes without getting really antsy and he's a pretty focused kid. And I don't think it's fair to assume that kids can do synchronous learning in the same way that they can when they're in a classroom. And so what we're saying is, listen, it's really nice to check in through community meetings. It's nice to check in throughout the day, but give kids real experiences. Say, here's our project. Here's the groundwork for it. Go off, do it. Show how you can independently do it. Work with your siblings or with a, a group of peers who are in a pod and then come back and show off that learning through Zigazoo or other platforms with short form video that then kids can engage with and they can basically share 
their products, either their final products or their rough drafts of their products as they go towards building whatever they're building. So yes, that's exactly what project-based learning should be about. So in during all this, you've come up with this great new app that I'm just learning about in the last couple of days here, Zigazoo. I'm excited to delve into it a little bit more. And from what I'm reading, you know, it reminds me of, you know, our Gen Zers and millennials now on TikTok. So, yeah. you know, give us some background, give us a little comparison on what what can I go back and tell my teachers tomorrow about the Zigazoo app? Yeah, so you can go tell your teachers that you can put your kids and your students on an app where they can easily assign ready-made, tailor-made projects for, for at-home environments and students can then respond with short videos and then those short videos can be viewed by one another just like TikTok. Kids love it because they don't even know they're learning. That's the other fun thing about it is, is um, someone was telling us it's like a gummy vitamin the other day because, because you're having so much fun doing these projects and sharing them kind of like TikTok uh, or like Musical.ly if you're uh, old enough to remember your students using Musical.ly. Um, the only difference between our app and, and those is that everything is in response to a learning prompt. And so basically you go on there, uh, you, you choose a project or make your own, uh, very simple, a driving question, instructions, and a little bit of media. And it could be something like for a younger grade, can you find something in your house that starts with every letter of the ABCs, line them up, right? And uh, all the way to, you know, something more complex, like, uh, can you share uh, three reasons why bees are going extinct? Or can you use uh, centripetal force to spin a penny inside of a balloon, whatever it might be. And once that student has spent, you know, a minute on the project or a full day on the project, they can then go and demonstrate their work using their mobile device uh, which is nice because it's all on mobile, so it doesn't exclude anybody who, for example, doesn't have tablets or doesn't have laptops available for them at home. And then uh, you go on and you can flick through. You can see all of your students' work all very quickly just by flicking through the feed. And then students can go on and see examples of other students' work, react to their work, and, uh, and start to engage in new projects. Zach, let me ask you a question here. As a parent of soon-to-be first graders, um, I'm re I, I refuse to refer to them as first graders yet. That's what <laughs> parents do. Um, and also as somebody who at the district level is working and training teachers in video and all this different ed tech stuff, what grades should we be looking at starting this? Is kindergarten too soon to be doing these video activities? I mean, there's a lot of great video applications, but wh where are we with this? Is that is that... Is that answer really based on the devices the kids have, the permissions that you need, being 13 years old? How, how do we know how early is it to, to be uh, creating these different things? Yeah, sure. So our app is designed for any grade level. Uh, most of the projects currently that you can access on the app are based on uh, pre-K to eighth grade standards at this point, although at some point we hope to encompass more grade levels. We did a partnership with the American Federation of Teachers and they put all of their caps, they hosted all of their capstone projects, including up to 12th grade on our platform. Um, the reality is that 
uh, I mean, you you recently had a three year old uh, not too long ago, right, Jeff? <laughs> Four years I said, ago. I said three year olds too, but yes. Yes, three. Yeah, you <laughs> three three year olds. That's correct. Um, but you you know, it's amazing to me. I'm a, I'm a parent of two, almost three kids. Uh, we're due any day now. So if I have to go, that's because my wife has called me and said I'm in labor. <laughs> um, but. Uh, as I look at my text messages on the bottom right, by the way, um, but uh, but what what you what you soon realize once you have these kids is that they are digital natives. They know how to use this stuff so quickly, and so yes, there does need to be a lot of guidance for those younger younger years, they're three, four, or five. But pretty quickly, they're good at it on their own. Um, and so we uh, we really pride ourselves on it being as simple as basically recording through your your photos app on your phone or through TikTok, which is it's literally just a red button in response to a prompt. And so there's really no training needed other than that. Um, and uh, we we think that anybody can use it, but uh, uh, around seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, kids are able to do it themselves. They're able to either set up the phone on their own um, or take take a video of, of, of their peer or, or sibling. So, Sue, let's talk a little bit about this on the coaching level, right? It's one thing for us to say project-based learning is great. It's another thing to sit in a classroom where teachers are nervous. Um, Let's even talk pre-COVID, too, and try to bring in a concept like project-based learning. And, you know, for some teachers, it's just natural. We build, we Mm -hmm. do, we teach. This is the way our classroom works. Exactly. For some teachers... This is not a natural thing. Letting loose, giving students the ability to have multiple right answers, creating things that aren't uh, multiple choice. Right. What advice do you have for all of us tech coaches out there to encourage those teachers to try something out of the box? I mean, it's easy to say, I'll hold your hand, but what do we do if we have some teachers that just they're looking at you with arms crossed going, "Uh uh-uh. For me, you know, this would be one of those, and and I just may do this, one of those apps I take to, you know, one of my high-flying teachers and have them try it and then start telling her peers about it. Or on the other hand, too, I might go into, you know, one of my more hesitant teachers and just say, hey, can I try something with your class? And most of the time they're going to not say no. They're going to say, of course, come on in and do something. That way they can, you know, sit down for a minute. (laughs) And then that's where I bring them in and try to get them involved. So that's where I try to bring in something new, get myself into the classroom. Just say, hey, can I come do an activity with your class? And I just might do that with this app. (laughs) And then what happens after that? Do you sit down with that teacher? Let's talk coaching model. And do you explain... (laughs) this is called project-based learning or do you just go here's another great app you know here's another great lesson what do you think we try tomorrow um yeah yes i would kind of keep with it again to keeping that cycle going as long as it would take and i would explain it along the way and you know the i do we do you do model and it might take a couple of i do's with me doing it until we get to them doing it on their own and then we do it together in the middle there so, yeah, definitely using that coaching cycle model is huge in this case. Now, Zach, we do have teachers that are out there that are facing these hybrid. We do have teachers that are facing the virtual. When we're looking at not, not just Zigazoo, but any of these project-based uh, activities, um, 
does it get any easier if all the students are in one location, either all hybrid, either all virtual, rather than this combination of both where the only communication format is technology? So I, th I think it works for any of these environments. So one of the things that uh, I am excited about for everybody who's using Zigazoo is that this is one of the only educational tools that has been built for the new normal, right? We started building this in March, right when the pandemic hit. So we built it for a remote learning world as opposed to trying to fit the old world into the new world. And the reason I say that is because what's great is if you're teaching fully remote, you can assign these projects and they're all built for a home environment with the idea being that kids are going to have fun doing things that are social with their peers as well as learn at the same time. And they're going to be able to take their time with these projects as opposed to forcing them to sit on a screen for hours or giving them tasks that are impossible to achieve because of technology restrictions, they don't have the technology, or because the projects you just can't do um, with the materials at uh, the home environment or with the supervision necessary for those types of projects. And so what we're, what we're basically saying is, hey, this is really great because it's literally built for remote learning. But in a hybrid model, what's great about it is that everyone's still part of the same classroom and can show off their work in a short form video, which is really easy, by the way, for students to digest, for teachers to digest. Um, they're, they're able to show off their work from the classroom or from, uh, from home, and everybody can feel like a unified class when they're engaging in that way and stay connected. So Zach, you mentioned the prompts that are available. So as a teacher or as a coach advising a teacher, do we go in and search for those prompts? Are they categorized, grade level categories, topics, yeah. standards? Yeah, yeah, so uh, a few things. First of all, we have all of the American Federation of Teachers capstone projects on there and they are wonderful and they were built by teachers for teachers. And then everything else was built by teachers for teachers. Uh, and they span grade levels and they span all subjects. We have tons of science experiments using at-home ingredients. We, we have uh, best-selling authors reading stories. Uh, they read the full story and then there's a, a question at the end of the story that, ha that helps with uh, reading comprehension. Um, we have uh, different literacy prompts, math-based prompts today. Our math-based prompts was as simple as, can you find something in your home that is one inches, two inches, and three inches long, right? And that helps kids uh, both with uh, measurement, but also with estimation skills, et cetera, and so forth. And so um, there's all sorts of categories on there. And then we're actually launching something called Channels, where we're having teachers uh, share their projects with everybody. So basically, you're going to have an opportunity as a teacher to start your own channel, create projects, and then share them with other teachers. We also have museums, zoos, and children's musicians, etc., who are having their own channels. So we have like the tech, the tech interactive museum, and we have um, uh, a children's museum out of Florida, and a zoo, and a and. Uh, uh, Lit World, the nonprofit. There's there's a bunch of wonderful content that's created 
from uh, big organizations that usually have in-person visitors, but because of COVID um, can't. And so we're really excited about teachers being able to use those in their classroom. Wow, wonderful resources. Yeah. When we're looking at this, just to kind of put a bow on everything here, what advice do you give to teachers? Let's let's forget project-based learning for a second. Let's forget all, you know, just, Zach, you've been a teacher. You've been in this. You've been through this. You're a parent. You're seeing things happening from that side of the desk, and you're an ed tech developer. What advice do you have for teachers and tech coaches as they start this new year when it comes to their fears, their questions, their doubts, their securities, their insecurities? What what? What speak for every single ed tech developer out there, Zach? What do you want teachers to know and think about when it comes to handling their classroom, bringing in tech, bringing in new tech? Floor is yours, man. Yeah, I think it gives me chills even answering this question because I think I think that the most important thing is that kids still need the same things that they needed before. They need food in the morning. They need smiles. They need hugs. They need that calm, warming voice. They need friendship. And they need good, engaging learning. And the reality is that you can't give all those things through a screen. You just can't, right? And so how do you facilitate that happening at home? Or how do you facilitate these things happening in a different environment that you don't have as much control over. And I think that that's where tech can be useful is you are still in communication with them in relationship. You can give the smile and you can basically start to lay the groundwork for meaningful projects, for relationships to be built, if not with their classmates in the same way, because it's all through screens, you can do it through family pods and asking them to engage in fun activities like interviewing family members um, or collaborating with siblings and just remembering that at the end of the day these are children and they need those basic supports and uh, that's the that's the the teacher and the uh, parent and me speaking um, and and then from a pedagogical perspective a, a an instructional perspective we have to remember that and I think, you know, if there are any silver linings to COVID, one of the things that I think could be a silver lining is the idea that kids don't want to sit in a desk all day. And I don't think most teachers are doing that to their students anyway. But maybe we can remember that, like, it's actually really important. The human side of education is really important. The side of education that is about kids collaborating and feeling empowered to own their own learning. And maybe we'll realize through this that if a kid isn't going to do it at home, then maybe we shouldn't be doing it at school either. And that there are better ways to do instruction than what, you know, I think teachers call like drill and kill method. And I'm excited about the opportunity for kids to engage in science projects and in uh, thinking about literacy as a fun activity as, a as opposed to a boring activity. And I think there are ways through video, through utilizing the mediums like social media that we know through utilizing project-based uh, learning prompts that that I think can really engage, engage learners in a more meaningful, exciting, and fun way. 
Zach, thank you so much for your time today. And I'm glad that we got a chance to catch up. And, uh, you know, I'd love to I'd love to pick your brain sometime on here. How do we encourage our students to reach for the stars? I'd love to know more about the the congressional race, maybe you can oh, come yeah. back and tell us a little bit about how all that works. Cause I mean, look, we, we all have students that yeah. want to go beyond our classroom. We all have students that go, maybe can I should have, would have all those different things. I mean, you are somebody out there who I, you know, even when I met you at U class, always looked up to guys like you teacher. I even remember talking to you about this after the shows teacher has an idea, built something, had a dream, sold it, did some great things. And now you're here helping out your own children. I love this story, Zach. Thanks so much for coming on today. Thank you. You guys are very inspiring. And uh, thank you to everyone who's watching. I wish you the very best this year. And please uh, contact us if you need anything. And so, you know, there's a lot of great things that are happening, not only in the world of ed tech, but also in the world of technology coaching. I want to remind everybody that our Tech Coach Network just launched last week during the conference, and we are now over 100 tech coaches strong. We've got a lot of great things happening in that network, and you can find out more information and sign up for free over at teachercast.net slash TCN form for Tech Coach Network. teachercast.net slash TCN form, and I will add you there happily, and we can help you guys learn how you guys can work with your teachers and other coaching staffs today and don't forget every single wednesday we have our tech coach roundtable a weekly one hour uh you know conversation great friends getting together talking about their programs and what we're looking forward to if you're looking for a little bit of support this year in your tech coaching adventures check it out it's always a good adventure i know this week we had a lot of stuff to talk about from the conference to covid to uh we talked about chromebooks for a while fun and riveting conversations i gotta tell you so check all that (laughs) stuff out sue where can we find out more information about the great things that you and your students are doing find me on twitter at sv314dws and at techimaginations.net and of course you can check out all the stuff over at askthetechcoach.com your home for tech coaching information you can find us over on twitter at askthetechcoach and right after we record these we have a second show that we actually just started with our friends over at beluga You can go to live.beluga.com forward slash TeacherCast and all of our great stuff is going to be there. We've got two different shows each week, two different curriculum, two different sets of resources, and we are having a great time helping you guys out, the instructional technology coaches. So on behalf of Zach and Susan and everybody here on the TeacherCast Educational Network, my name is Jeff Bradbury, reminding you to keep up the great work in your classrooms and continue sharing your passions with your students. You've been listening to Ask the Tech Coach, hosted by Jeff Bradbury of the TeacherCast Educational Network. Please reach out to the show with all of your questions on Twitter at AskTheTechCoach or online at www.askthetechcoach.com. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. And please take a moment to write a review in the App Store.